Money and Me on Your Money only on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3 on Your Money with Dan Co and Adrian Abraham. Now the digital asset economy has redefined the way we perceive and interact with value. In an era where bits and bytes hold as much significance as bricks and mortar, the digital asset economy represents a paradigm shift in how we store, transfer, and create wealth. From cryptocurrencies to non-fungible tokens, decentralized finance to blockchain technology, this dynamic ecosystem is reshaping industries, challenging traditional financial models, and offering new opportunities for innovation and investment. That's right. Thanks a lot for that, Adrian. Now, on today's show, we're going to find out more about Bitgo. That's a company that was established back in 2013 during the early days of the cryptocurrency space. Now, they're known for creating the multi-signature wallet and later improving it with a technology called the TSS or Threshold Signature Scheme. They're also recognized as, you know, one of the companies that's offering the most secure technology in the market, safeguarding over 600 different tokens all across various blockchain networks. So to find out more about how the future of finance is being reimagined, we have in the studio HB Lim, the Managing Director for, of APEC for BitGo. Good morning, HB. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Adrian. Thanks for having me. All right. Glad to have you here with us. Now, let's start off with Bit, uh, what, what BitGo does all about. Okay, so BitGo provides the most secure and scalable solutions for the digital asset economy. It offers regulated custody, borrowing and lending and core infrastructure to investors and builders alike. But first, help us understand what is a crypto asset custodian and what is it, why is it so important in the view of the current market structure? Thanks, Dan. Great question. So a crypto asset custodian is essentially a company that holds and safeguards customers' crypto assets such as Bitcoin and Ethereum Yeah. Uh, in a neat piece of technology that we call a, a wallet. So okay. what is a wallet, right? So mm. a wallet can be software, it can be hardware, it can even be a piece of paper oh, that you use okay. to, to record and store your, your what you call private keys. Mm. So private keys you can think of as passwords that prove you have ownership and control of the crypto assets associated with or referenced by those private keys. And so the role of a custodian is that a customer entrusts their crypto assets to us and, mm. and the private keys behind that. And the custodian acts in a fiduciary capacity, meaning fully on behalf of the custodian, uh, sorry, fully on behalf of the customer to safeguard the assets for them. Okay. So then, or Adrian, you, you may ask, you know, why, why can't I, why can't I like self-custody the assets myself? You know, why mm. can't I do it yeah. myself? Yeah. yeah. Um, there are some risks with that. Mm. Okay. Um, you could get hacked for instance. Ah, yeah. yeah so okay. some wallets, they're called um, online wallets or mm. hot wallets. So if you go online, um, you may expose your private keys to a hacker that could drain off your, your assets. Mm. Um, you could lose your, your wallet. So this happens quite a bit. And in fact, um, of all the Bitcoin in existence, it's estimated that about 25% is, is lost forever. Oh dear. Because people lost their passwords. Yeah, this is the 13, yeah. the 13 key, right? That uh, they have to type in? Is this, um, uh, it's, it's, there are various ways of storing your private keys. Yeah. Um, so some people use a, like a 12-word seed phrase to represent the, yeah, the, that's the, one, the yeah. key. Mm. Yeah, so if you lose these passwords or private keys, your, your crypto is gone forever. Oh man, and, okay. Um, last but not least, um, if you... Ha- if you have crypto assets of a significant size as I'm sure Adrian you and Dan have you both are Bitcoin whales I'm sure mm. uh, it's a bit dangerous right to keep crypto yourself so it is you wanna, yeah. for these reasons I talked about it's probably better to entrust it to a professional custodian to, mm. to hold these for you mm. now HP we met of course at um, token 2049 just a few weeks ago there was a lot of 
chat around regulatory safety, how it's undoubtedly on everyone's minds now. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about Bitco's approach to regulations and how did the collapse of crypto firms like FTX shape its approach? Thanks, Adrian. Maybe I'll take a bit of a... Bit of a uh uh, not a stroll down memory lane, more like a, a sprint through memory lane. <laughs> yeah. I think it sort of answers your question. So Bitcoin actually, we were formed in 2013, yeah, 10 yeah. years old. So we are sort of an OG in this space. Mm. Um, we were formed in California back then. Uh, that's our HQ. And initially, we started out very much as just a, a pure wallet technology company. Yeah. We built very safe, secure crypto asset wallets. Mm. And then we sold this to our users who kept the funds themselves using these, these wallets. Okay. Then as the years went by, we saw more and more of a demand by customers to they wanted to interact with a regulated custodian. Yeah. Right, because it's safer. You know, mm-hmm. we have a regulatory license. People have more trust in this entity. Yeah. Um, but, but we thought that, you know, our DNA at the start was as a, as a wallet company, a technology company. We thought that we would, uh, regulated institutions like banks would come in, buy our product and then offer it under their regulatory umbrella. Okay. Uh, but the years came and went and they didn't quite adopt it as quickly as we wanted to. <laughs> okay. So in, in 2018, uh, we decided to set up our own regulated entity, a regulated custodian. So um, we are now licensed in multiple jurisdictions. Um, in the US, our HQ, we are regulated by the New York Department of Financial Services, by the South Dakota Division of Banking, and, and we have various licenses across the world. Mm. Um, so I, I think sort of a long way of saying is that I think there is a big demand now for regulated um, custodians to work with, 100%. given what's happened in, in, in the recent debacles like um, the, these crypto company failures. Mm. And so I think now we are at sort of the third phase of evolution, um, not just a big goal, but for the industry as well, where um, there's the rise of regulated custodians that the market can use. So I think we now have a tremendous opportunity to improve the market structure out there, where trading on exchanges um, Exchanges do not do just do not do both trading and custody, mm. but you actually have a chance to parcel out the custody bit to independent custodians. You know, no conflict of interest, and then they can do the custody for you. Yeah. So this actually mirrors what you see in the traditional finance space. Yeah, because in the stock exchange, in the stock market, for instance, um, you have this whole network of firms, each with mm. a very uh, deliberate and well-organized role in the trading value chain. Mm. Um, you have the, the stock exchange, you have the, the brokers, you have mm. the custodians, mm. and each of these have specific rules and responsibilities that they, that they abide by. Yeah. Um, the, the stock market and the brokers are part of the trading part of the business, and then the custodians are part of the safeguarding part of the business. Mm. So a broker is the conduit that you place trades first, and mm. then the stock market uh, provides a market that the buyers and sellers can, can match their trades. Yeah. But after the trade is done, and in the traditional finance space at least, the safeguarding and holding of these stocks um, passes on to the custodian yep. to do. So uh, um, the crypto industry is a bit different. Um, when it evolved in the early days, everything was done in these vertically integrated exchanges. They did every part from uh, providing an exchange to being a custodian. And this is partly because in the nascent industry, you didn't really have many custodians at all. So mm. the exchange was forced a bit of partly due to the necessity to do it all in-house. But today we have a whole array of custodians that you could use. And, and uh, I think we have all the pieces in place to build a very strong market structure to replicate what you see in traditional finance to make the whole industry safer and, 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 and more sound. Okay, very interesting. On your website, it also says that when it comes to crypto, not all custody is created equal. And I'm actually quite curious to find out more about this. How are cryptocurrency custo- custody services differentiated then? So the, the term custody in the crypto space, at least, it's used a bit loosely. Mm. But it actually runs the gamut of different kinds of wallet products. Okay. So at one end, you have uh, what are essentially software technology companies. These are companies that provide just the wallet technology. But thereafter, the customer still controls the keys themselves. They, they, they hold the keys themselves. So such wallet 
um, technology providers are not custodians. They are, mm. They're just um, technology providers. Ah, then okay. the other end, you have um, custodians, right? As you mm. talked about. So these are actual companies that customers entrust their crypto assets to. And these companies ostensibly are meant to uh, protect these assets. Mm. So, so, so when, I, when we say that, um, even for this second class of uh, companies, when we say that not all custodians are created equal, um, what do we mean? Because different custodians have different sort of operating models. And I think it's important that um, as uh, investors or, or customers, we, we ask certain questions to the custodian to understand what exactly they are and how they operate. Mm. Um, so firstly, we talked about, um, are, is the custodian regulated? Mm. So not all custodians are regulated. Yeah. And you may ask, well, why is this important, right? Um, well, being regulated means that there's actually an independent objective check on the custodian, right? Yeah. You don't have to just trust what they say. Yeah. You have regulators that come in and, and check the company. Yeah. Plus, there are very strict rules that these are They've abided by. That's right, mm. that's right. So, so the, the bar is quite high to become regulated. Um, secondly, is um, if you're trading on an exchange and the exchange also is your custodian, um, how is the exchange actually doing the custody? Is it doing an operationally distinct or independent unit? How do you prevent conflicts of interest? Um, because as you've, you've seen in FTX, yeah. um, what happened was that uh, FTX was essentially dipping into customers' assets without permission and using it for its own investments. And, and even political donations, right? In, Unfortunate, in, in, yeah. That's right. yeah. So, so it's quite dangerous sometimes uh, um, to have it all in the, in the, same, in the same entity. Uh, we talked a bit about technology, and then you raised uh, good points about the, the different kinds of technology. So does your custodian use uh, wallets that have that prevent single points of failure? So these are the multi-signature wallets, for instance, mm. you mentioned. So yeah. multi-signature means that you need more than one uh, key or person to actually um, authorize transactions. This okay. is safer, right? Because yeah. if you only have a single key, you basically trust in, yeah. in, in that person to do everything. Yeah. But if you have multiple keys, um, you need few people to come together and each of us, you know, each of them has a check and balance on the other. So, so that's quite critical. So the mm. technology use is important. Um, you mentioned some of the newer technologies out there. Um, you know, these are, um, the, the market moves very quickly. So I like to think of crypto technology and wallet technology as, as a bit like um, uh, medicine, you know, when we have new pharmaceutical drugs on the market. Before they can be launched, you need to do numerous clinical trials, yeah. right? And then even after the trials sort of pass, and the drugs are fit for consumption for the public, it sometimes takes a few years, if not decades, right, before, yeah. you know, the other side effects not identified during the trials uh, mm. come to light. So crypto technology may be a bit similar in, in a way. Um, sometimes you have to battle test these products yeah. over time. Yeah. So sometimes you don't want to be the first person to adopt the brand new crypto oh, technology. Oh, of course not, yeah. Right, so for things like multi-sig, it's, it's been around for 10 years. It, it's well understood. Uh, the implementation is pretty standardized. The risk understood. So these are technologies that if your custodian is using, uh, you have better better peace of mind. Okay. Um, and, just, and just other points like... Um, uh, are your assets kept as your custodian? Are they bankruptcy remote? So you mm. have to read the fine print, you know. By yeah. keeping with a custodian, are you signing over title to the exchange of the custodian or mm. are these still kept in your name? This is, this is critical. Okay. Uh, so the recent crypto failures have shown that um, when customers signed up for an account, they unwittingly actually signed over title of these assets to the, the crypto company. Oh, yeah. is, it, uh, is it usually written in the... It's supposed the to be in the terms and conditions, yeah. but how many of us read that, right? That's a bit too long. I mean, most of us will probably miss it as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's talk about uh, something as easy as the Apple terms and conditions, right? Whenever it's updated, we just scroll to the bottom and that just right. hit accept. Uh, we're in conversation with HB Lim, who's the managing director of APAC for BitGo, uh, talking about the future of finance and how it's being reimagined. HB, recently, BitGo signed a strategic business agreement with South Korea's HANA Bank. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the significance of this tie-up with the bank and how 
is this improving the transparency and safety as well of the South Korean digital asset industry? Right. So Hana Bank is one of the biggest and uh, most, most established banks in Korea. It's mm. been around since 1967. So the fact that they chose BitGo out of all their choices, I think is testament to the trust they have in BitGo's uh, technology, security, but more importantly, people and operations, because we, we mustn't underestimate the role proper operational processes and, and people and compliance play in, the, in this process. I mean, it also shows how traditional financial institutions like banks can partner with Web3 companies um, to, to work together on collaboration. And I think the common bridge that allowed companies like HANA Bank to work easily with us is that we speak the common language of regulation first. Yeah. yeah. So they understand where we come from. They understand that they are dealing with a regulated company. And by that, they know the risk and the controls we have in place. Mm. So, and, and more broadly, I think this bodes well for APEC. Um, the, the fact that we are seeing a lot of interest in APEC, not just Korea, but in Singapore as well. Mm. Um, I think the regulatory clarity Clarity in these parts is, is very attractive. I think what crypto companies want more and more these days is clarity. They don't mind being regulated, but they yeah. want clarity in that space. Mm. Yeah. Thanks a lot for that, um, HB. Now, I would also like to bring this conversation over to talk about insurance as well. I think uh, it's, it's probably something on everybody's mind. And what does BitGo do uh, and what kind of insurance coverage do they have for in case of any downturn in the crypto space as well? Can you comment on that? Sure then. So I think insurance is quite critical in this space. Um, so we provide insurance um, when customers use our custodial product. Yeah. So our custodial product is where we fully control and protect the private keys. For non-custodial products that we offer, where the customer's responsible, naturally we don't protect, uh, we don't provide insurance for that because the customer is the one that handles everything. Yep. So for the custody product we have, yes, we have insurance. Um, we have this from a very established company, an insurance company. Um, and it's used to protect clients in, in situations where, say, BitGo has uh, something like theft or loss that happens, and yeah. then um, this insurance will come in to, to cover them. Okay. So insurance is quite critical. Um, there have been cases where um, you know, some custodians may have lost the keys or lost assets to these funds, mm. and without insurance coverage, the customer may not be made whole. Oh dear. So insurance okay. is very critical. Yeah. I think it, it bears maybe mentioning that there, there's just simply not enough insurance underwriting in the market to cover all the crypto assets out there mm. but some coverage is still important so if you are using a custodian I think it's very important that you make sure that they offer you some, some, some form of insurance coverage Is it usually like a full coverage of the loss or is this like a percentage of what you've put in the custodian asset? It should be the full, the full um, okay. coverage of the loss okay. right. provided right. it's, the, it's the fault of the custodian Yeah yep. Okay Thanks a lot for the HB Now I also like to bring this conversation over to the one, one conversation that we had just a few days ago with a spokesperson from Chainalysis we discussed their 2020 geography of cryptocurrency report and one key factor that stood out to me was crypto usage in the central and southern asia and oceana region and it found that it had that region had one of the world's most dynamic and fascinating cryptocurrency markets i mean think about it we had axie infinity as a play to earn gaming that's kicking off in the in a kicking off crypto ad adoption in the philippines and then we have india emerging as the top crypto market even despite difficulties around its tax laws so that being said hb i like to get your two cents on this. Is Asia crypto snake's bright spot? And what kinds of developments are you forecasting, especially on the backdrop of you know, your strategic business agreement with South Korea's HANA Bank? Yeah, I think the, I think the answer is yes, Dan. Mm. So I think um, APEC um, is, is a very bright spot in crypto. And I, and I mentioned this before, I think the regulatory certainty is, is, is critical for drawing firms in. 
um, I think in the next you know, six to 12 months ahead, more and more countries in APAC and, 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 and in the world as well will be developing regulatory frameworks for crypto. Yeah. And there's going to be convergence as well mm. because com- countries, they benchmark against each other. Yeah. Um, countries like Singapore, you know, these are seen as lighthouse jurisdictions with mm. very strong frameworks. So many other countries will benchmark against us. Plus many countries um, would also abide by these um, rules or guidance formed by international standard setting bodies that would um, suggest rules or, or on crypto and then they would fall in as well. Mm. So overall, I think um, Asia is, APAC has very strong um, uh, regulatory frameworks. Yeah. Those that have it, uh, it's very robust and many of these are actually working on these as well. Mm. So going forward, um, I think more and more companies will come to Asia drawn in, not just by, um, you know, of course, there's a lot of investment money here and interest, as you mentioned, um, from the population, population, but the regulatory certainty is, is very attractive too. I see. Ajibu, let's talk about something else that's been on our minds, actually. Are there any plans to venture further into other Asian markets as well? What's um, the plan yeah. going forward? Uh, great, great question, Adrian. Um, definitely, the answer is yes. Mm. So, so Korea is the the first um, one we've publicly announced, but okay. there are other countries in the works for in us. the pipeline. Yeah, in the pipeline. Mm. Um, I think it, it, it's no secret that the the US. I mean, we we start in the US, but it's become an increasingly difficult environment to operate in. Yeah. So places like APEC Asia um, are becoming very attractive to us. Mm. So so stay tuned. You know, there are there are other countries that that, that we are uh, expanding into. Um, and I think the future is bright for this industry. And if we can all do things the right way, um, yeah. you know, build compliant, secure solutions, I think we can all rebuild trust in this industry that has uh, faced headwinds in, in recent months. Yeah. Multiple headwinds. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Regulations is what we need here as well. Transparency as well. Now, before we let you go then, HB, how should investors maneuver their way through the ever-evolving regulatory landscape surrounding cryptocurrencies? And then how can we ensure that you know compliance with relevant laws and regulations while seeking to maximize our investment returns. Uh, thanks, Dan. So I think we sort of covered these points um, in, in bits and parts throughout the conversation. Yeah. So I think the main thing is um, if you want to deal with a, a third-party custodian, an external custodian, that means you're not holding your funds yourself. I think it's, it's quite important that they are regulated in some yeah. form or the other. And, uh, and don't take their word for it. Find out how they are, what, what is their compliance framework like? What are the controls they have in place? Mm. Uh, a lot of what we do is, is about eliminating single points of failure. So okay. we talked about how you know you don't want to, you don't want to have just a single private key. You want to have mm. multiple private keys, and even among the multiple private keys, these are controlled by various people to have a series of checks and balances. So so understand how your custodian does things for you. Mm. Um, I think going forward, um, no longer would, would would investors and customers want to deal with um, unlicensed um, exchanges or even custodians, right? Mm. Um, by being regulated from a respectable regulator, this gives um, customers confidence. So mm. I think the first step is make sure that your Check whether your custodian is regulated. Um, find out what are their internal controls, their compliance frameworks, what is the security they use. And um, you know, from a business side of, the, of things, um, do their offerings meet your needs? Yeah. So wallets can be used in, in, in very multifaceted ways. So that's whether your custodian can provide your full use, the, the full use cases that you need. I think that's critical as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time, HB. It's been an absolute pleasure having you in the studio. I know I did mention we met at the token event. So good to, you know, get your thoughts about the future of finance and how it's being reimagined. We've been speaking to HB Lim, Managing Director of APAC for BitGo, about the role of crypto asset custodians in the light of the current market structure and how one identifies the right custodian to secure their crypto investment assets. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. 
To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.